Again, thank you all so much for joining in to New Dimensions Online Service. I'm your host, Nishia, and I hope you guys are ready for a word from the Lord. Well, once again, welcome everybody to the NDCC Online Worship Experience. My name is Pastor Tyler, and I'm so excited that you have joined us. If it's your first time, I want to add my greeting to the ones that you have already heard. Welcome to our church. Even though we can't see you physically, we still count you as a virtual guest during this worship experience. And I just want to start this with a time of prayer um, as we enter into, unfortunately, what is the last sermon in the Back to the Future series. I'm so sad. I want to continue and stay here for a while, but I feel like God is telling us some new things, but I want to use this time wisely, and you'll see why a little bit later. So wherever you are, why don't you bow your heads with me, lift your hands. Father God, we acknowledge your presence in this place. We bow ourselves to you. We submit to whatever you decide to do. We say, have your way in this sermon, in this service, Holy Ghost. May we not breeze past you simply because we're recording, simply because we're live streaming. May we sit down and receive what you have for us. I pray for every single person who is watching, every person. I may not know their lives. I may not know what they're facing, but God, you know, and that is what is most important. I pray that their presence, your presence would be felt in their homes, would be felt wherever they're watching right now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, why don't you flip to 1 Samuel chapter 4. 1 Samuel chapter 4, and while you're flipping and clicking to go there, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever been in the presence of greatness? Have you ever been in the presence of greatness? If you have been in the presence of greatness, I want you to put in the comments. Let's make this interactive. I want you to put in the comments the person that you've been in the presence of that you would consider to be great. Right before coronavirus hit, there was um, a trip that I was actually on, and I was speaking at a college, and I was coming back from that college in Tennessee, and I had a layover, as we all do, in Atlanta, right? The Atlanta airport, everyone knows it's hectic, it's crazy, there's all kinds of people there, it's the, the world's busiest airport, there's so much that's happening, there's so many connecting flights, and as I was getting on the plane to head to Atlanta, I remember that the plane was delayed a little bit because they were waiting for one of the passengers. Now, this was such a small plane that there wasn't a first class. There wasn't, you know, this elite section, but there was someone who they were saving a seat for in the front of the plane. Now, this person eventually comes on after about a 10-minute delay. Now, I remember taking a double take at this person. You know, he was well-dressed, but he had sunglasses on. Um, you know, he had workout clothes. He had a hat on. You know, I, I thought he looked a little familiar, Right. And I couldn't really place it, so I just ignored it. And then a couple of times throughout the flight, he got up to reach up in the overhead compartment to grab some things. And I'm like, man, that guy looks really familiar. There's something about this guy. But again, he was, he was heavily almost as if he was disguised, right? And so at the end of the flight, we had to stop at the station right up at the top of the gate to grab our bags as we were going on to our destination. And something clicked in me. I said, that guy looks just like Terrell Owens. Now, for those of you who aren't football fans, Terrell Owens is one of the most famous, well-accomplished wide receivers in the history of the National Football League. And I remember looking, and I did a double-take. I said, that guy looks like Terrell Owens. But I didn't want to, you know, be that person. <laughs> you know, you don't want to be that person who just, you know, blurts it out like, oh, that's T.O. You know, I didn't want to really be that person. But I kept watching. I watched his movements. I watched how he was carrying himself. I watched how he was kind of looking down. I said, this would explain the disguise. And 
And, and when I got closer to him as we were waiting for our bags, I saw that it was indeed the NFL wide receiver, very famous wide receiver, Terrell Owens. And you know, I wanted to keep it cool, but I was frozen in the presence of greatness because he wasn't what I expected him to be. He still looked like he was in shape. He still looked like he had the ability to play. He looked like he could run a marathon right then. And I saw T.O. and right before we were getting ready to leave, you know, in my real cool way, leaned over and, and gave him a fist bump. I said, much respect, big dog, much respect. And you know, I sat back and you know, he, he, he responded to it very quickly, you know, probably thinking I was some rabbit fan, which I am a big fan of his. So I was getting ready to take a picture or something. I didn't do that. I didn't want to make a scene. I just wanted to acknowledge greatness. I was in the presence of greatness. And you know, the reality is as honoring as it is to meet someone who has earthly acclaim, as humbling as it is to meet a celebrity, as great as that may be, it is important for us to remember that nothing can replace us being in awe of the presence of God. Nothing can replace us being in awe of God's amazing, transcendent, transformative presence. There is nothing like being in the presence of God. Can you type that in the comments? There is nothing like being in the presence of God. Pastor, it seems like that's a little bit long for us to type. I want you to do it so you can remind yourself there is nothing like being in the presence of God. You know, we're at the end of this series called Back to the Future, and we've been talking about this concept of going back to get it, this principle of Sankofa, which means it's not wrong to go back for that which you have forgotten. And we've been going through different go back statements of the Bible. We dealt with first go back home from Luke chapter 15. We dealt with go back to your family from Genesis chapter 33. Last week I dealt with don't go back there from Numbers chapter 14. And this week, in our last sermon, I want to title this sermon, Go Back to God's Presence. Go Back to God's Presence. In 1 Samuel chapter 5, verse 10, what we see here is that there's another go-back statement. This go-back statement is not uttered by God or the people of God. It's actually uttered by a foreign army, the Philistine army. And the Philistines say this after they had captured the Ark of the Covenant. More on that later. The Philistines said this in 1 Samuel chapter 5, verse 11. They said, so they called together all the rulers of the Philistines and said, get this, send the Ark of the God of Israel away. Let it go back to its own place or it will kill us and our people. And then there's a note here at the end, for death had filled the city with panic. God's hand was very heavy on it. So the Philistines are saying, let's send the ark back to the people of Israel. I wanna read the passage of scripture that talks about how they captured the ark. It's in the, the chapter before, in 1 Samuel chapter four, starting in verse 14. Follow along with me. It's a little bit long of a passage, but you have to get it to get the context. In 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 14, it says, Eli, the prophet, heard the outcry and asked, what is the meaning of this uproar? The man hurried over to Eli, who was 98 years old and whose eyes had failed so that he could not see. He told Eli, I have just come from the battle line. I fled from it this very day. Eli asked, what happened, my son? Verse 17 says this, the man who brought the news replied, Israel fled before the Philistines and the army suffered heavy losses. Also, your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas are dead and the ark of God has been captured. When he mentioned the ark, verse 18, Eli fell backward off his chair by the side of the gate. His neck was broken and he died for he was an old man and he was heavy. He had led Israel 40 years. Verse 19, his daughter-in-law, the wife of Phinehas, was pregnant and near the time of delivery. 
When she heard the news that the ark of God had been captured and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she went into labor and gave birth, but was overcome by her labor pains. As she was dying, the woman said, attending to her, said, don't despair. You have given birth to a son, but she did not respond or pay any attention. And final two verses, she named the boy Ichabod, saying, the glory has departed from Israel because of the capture of the ark of God and the deaths of her father-in-law and her husband. She said, the glory has departed from Israel for the ark of God has been captured. You know, the presence of God in the Bible is seen in many different layers. We see God's presence as a sign of fear and accountability like in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter three. We see God's presence move and shake the foundations of the world and society like in Psalm 68. We see how God's presence serves as a reminder of comfort and peace in Joshua chapter 1. We also see how God's presence is something to be worshipped and adored in 2 Chronicles chapter 4 and all throughout the scripture. The presence of God in this story, it's symbolized by the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was the tangible place where the Ten Commandments, the tablets of stone, resided. But it was also known to many as the place where God's presence sat. You know, scholars have said that it's amazing that God, who is so boundless and omnipresent, he decided to confine himself to a place. He decided to confine himself to the Ark of the Covenant. And it was so powerful that they used it to show that God was marching with them. And in many other cases, we see how layered and multifaceted the presence of God is. But the root of everything that we understand about the presence of God is that the presence of God is not something we want to depart from us. Hear me. The presence of God is not something you want to lose. The glory of God is not something that you want to let leave your life. And that's why Phineas' wife says in the end, where is the glory? That's what Ichabod means, literally. Where is the glory? And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, why would the presence of God leave the people of God? Why would the presence of God leave God's people? Think about this, church. I want you to hear this. The greatest indication of your spiritual future is whether or not you have God's presence with you. The greatest indication of your spiritual future or the spiritual future of a church or an organization, the greatest indication is whether or not we have the presence of God with us. You see, there are a lot of people in your life who will have more than what you have. There are a lot of people in your life who will have more money. There are a lot of people in your life who have more connections. There are a lot of people in your life who have more resources or more education or more networks. They will have more acclaim and more status and more celebrity. None of that matters, church. The main thing that is the determination for your spiritual future is whether or not you got God's presence with you. Do you have God's presence? I want to encourage you and challenge you with something. Don't go anywhere without God's presence, church. Don't go anywhere. Don't do anything without the presence of God on your side. Don't make a decision without consulting the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Don't go anywhere without God's presence. Take a look at 1 Samuel chapter 4. Let's go and take a look at four things, four ways that you can know that the glory of God has left us. Let's take heed and be convicted by these things because I believe God wants us to keep his presence with, with us. Notice here in 1 Samuel chapter 4 verse 1, it says, Now the Israelites went out to fight against the Philistines as commonly happened. The Israelites camped at Ebenezer and the Philistines at Aphek, and the Philistines deployed their forces to meet Israel. And as the battle spread, watch this, very interesting, Israel was defeated by the Philistines. 
who killed about 4,000 of them on the battlefield. Now, I know what some of you guys are thinking because you haven't read the full chapter. Some of you are thinking, of course, Pastor, you just read that to us. That's the place where they took the Ark of the Covenant. You're wrong. I hope you don't skim the Bible. I hope you read the Bible. When you read the Bible, you see that's a battle even before the battle where they had all of their things taken away from them. That's the battle before Hophni and Phinehas were killed. That's the battle before they retrieved the Ark of the Covenant. Notice here, it actually says in verse 3, it says, so interesting. They said, why did the Lord bring defeat on us today before the Philistines? They asked this question, why did this happen? You ever been there in your life? You're looking around and you're saying, God, what's going on? God, what you doing? God, I thought that you were on my side. God, I thought that you were going to come through for me. God, what's going on? Why did I lose? Why did I face this trouble? Why did I face this obstacle? Okay, first thing, I want you to write this down. The glory of the Lord leaves, watch this, when you call consequence coincidence. The glory of God leaves when you call consequence coincidence. Now, let me break it down. What are consequences? Consequences are the results of your poor actions. Coincidence is something that just accidentally happens. So you know that the glory of God has left when you start to call the consequences of your life the coincidences of life. You know that the glory of God has left when you start ignoring the warning signs that are present because of the actions you made. You know that the glory of God has left when you start to see and observe that things are chaotic in your life and you just chalk that up as no big deal. No, the glory of God might have left you. Notice here it says, they asked the question, why did the Lord bring defeat on us today? If they were honest with themselves, they could go back and see some clear places where God had predicted to them that my glory has left. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30, the Lord specifically says to the prophet Eli, he says this, therefore the Lord, the God of Israel declares, I promise that members of your family would minister before me forever. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me. Those who honor me, I will honor. Here, listen to this. Listen to this. This is a principle about God. Those who honor me, I will honor. But those who despise me will be disdained. Now, listen, there are some things in our lives that are not a coincidence, church. There are some things that we face and obstacles that we're battling that are actually consequences of a life lived out of alignment with the principles of God. Be careful, church, what you call an attack from the enemy. Some of us are blaming the devil for things that we brought on ourselves. Some of us are looking at God as though he's derelict, God as though he's fallen asleep on the job, God as though he has forgotten about us. Don't look at certain things in your life and prematurely call them the devil or blame God for these things. You need to take a step back and say some of the things that happen are me. Some of the things that happen are my fault. Some of the things that happen are consequences. Now, I don't mean to say this to beat you down or for condemnation, but there's good news for you. If those things are present in your life, we serve a God who is faithful and just to forgive us when we confess our sins to him. That's what 1 John 1, 9 says. We serve a God who is overflowing with grace and mercy. We serve a God who has everlasting love. We serve a God who will throw our sins into the sea of forgetfulness to be remembered no more. He'll put them as far as the east is from the west. But here's the problem. He can't do that unless you acknowledge it. He can't do that unless you're honest. He can't do that unless you are open enough to say these consequences are not a coincidence. These consequences are the things I brought upon myself. You see, sometimes you got to acknowledge, yeah, it was me. Type that in the comments. Yeah, it was me. It was me. I did it. 
I'm the one who messed up. It wasn't an attack. I know it feels good to claim those memes, you know, those memes that say your haters will be your elevators, those memes that say you're going through something and now it's about to turn around in the next three days. I know it seems really good to say that, but the truth of the matter is you cannot blame all your consequences on other people. You know, I was trained in philosophy and one of the things that I absolutely love about philosophy, these quotes, these statements that are these statements that mark our lives, these statements that we can live by. And one of them, one of the, the most famous ones that we learn as soon as we step into philosophy class, we learn that the unexamined life is not worth living. That's by Socrates, right? Socrates says that the unexamined life is not worth living. I want to challenge you, church. Be careful about living an unexamined life. Be careful about living a life that is above critique. Be careful about living a life that is above self-awareness and introspection. Be careful about living a life that is above accountability because the glory of God leaves when we start to call consequences coincidences. Take a look. Go down to verse 3, the B clause of verse 3. Notice what they say. When the soldiers returned to the camp, the elders of Israel, they asked this. Why did the Lord bring defeat on us today before the Philistines? They're continuing to ask this. Then they said, get this, let us bring the Ark of the Lord's Covenant up from Shiloh. Wait a second. So when they lost, they decided that they were going to bring the Ark. Not before, not when they went into the battle. When they lost, they decided now was the time to go get the Ark. I mean, I'm, we're on our last leg here. We lost all these thousands of men. We lost all this ground. We, we lost to our fierce rival. And so now we need to bring the ark. Notice this. The glory of the Lord leaves when your desire for God, watch, is situational, not foundational. The glory of God leaves when your desire for God is situational, not foundational. You see, some of us have a contractual relationship with God. Some of us do not have a covenantal relationship with God. Some of us have an as-I-need-you relationship with God. Some of us have a break glass in case of emergency relationship with God. Some of us have a real situational relationship with God. As long as my life is going well, I don't need to consult him. As long as I got money in the bank, I don't need to ask him to be a provider. As long as my body is healthy, I don't need to ask him to be Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. As long as everything is good, you know what? I'm killing it in school. I don't need to pray before I take my exam. I don't need to pray that God would keep me from all kinds of things before I step onto my campus. I don't need to worry about that. You see, God doesn't have a contractual relationship with us. Rather, God has a covenantal relationship with us. And the covenantal relationship that God has with us says that even when we're down, he's going to still be Faithful. Even if we're going through things, he's not going to leave and abandon us. And some of us have situational faith. Some of us have maybe faith. Some of us have maybe might, I could possibly faith. Some of us have fair weather faith. And we need to ask ourselves, is the faith that we claim foundational to our lives? Listen to this. God will not show up in your situation if he hasn't been established as your foundation. Oh, you better write that down. You better tweet that out. You better think through that. God will not show up in your situation if he hasn't been established as your foundation. Some of us think we can call on God whenever we want. 
Some of us think that we can summon God to come in and save the day as though he's Superman. He's going to catch us from falling. Listen, you need to stop thinking about God in a situational sense and start thinking about God in a foundational sense. You can't do anything without the presence of God. You can't accomplish anything without the power of God. You can't go through life without the peace of God. You need him. There's nobody on this earth that can say, I don't need him. I've attained too much money. I've attained too many properties. I've done too many things and I have too many accomplishments. Now I don't need God. That's not the truth. As a matter of fact, Moses models it for us in Exodus chapter 33 verses 14 and 15. Watch this. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Watch Moses. Moses says, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us there. Moses realized that the presence of God is foundational to what he is going to do, how he is going to lead the people of God. Is God foundational for your life? Are you a professing believer and a functional atheist? Are you one who proclaims Jesus on Sunday mornings and people see all of it, but then you're nowhere to be seen. You're nowhere to be found in the presence of God. I, I don't say this as condemnation. Again, check yourself because the glory of God will leave if your desire for God is situational, not foundational. God's not going to show up in your situation if you haven't established him as your foundation. Notice here it continues. The plot thickens. Verse 3, it says, let us bring the ark of the Lord's covenant from Shiloh. Watch this so that he may go with us and save us from the hand of our enemies. So situationally, they said, okay, after we lose, we're going to bring the ark. And then they take it a step further. They said, so that he may go with us and save us from the hand of our enemies. Number three, write this down. The glory of the Lord leaves when we desire rewards from God without relationship with God. <laughs> The glory of God leaves when we desire rewards from God without relationship with God. Are you guilty of that? Are you guilty of serving God just for the benefits? Are you guilty of serving God just for the things when things go well? That's why you say, okay, yeah, I'm going to praise God real hard when everything is going well. But then when my life crashes, when I start suffering, when there's things in my life that go wrong, now I don't know about this, God. I don't know about all this. This might just be a lot of religion. This didn't work for me because what you've gotten into is you desire rewards from God, not a relationship with God. <laughs> you see, the nation of Israel, they fought. They thought that they could call on God whenever they needed him. They thought that they could call on God. They assumed that they could spend years of ignoring his commands and he would still give them so many rewards. They assumed that they could spend years ignoring his dictates and that he would just turn the blind eye and just come whenever they called. Can I help you with something? God is not your genie. God is not your genie or your butler. God does not come when you call. God is not here to serve you. We exist to serve him. We exist to make much of him. We exist to worship him. And many of us have bought into this idea that the only thing that we need to go to the presence of God for is rewards from God, not relationship with God. You know, there's this funny meme that's going around. And it's a funny meme of someone praying on CBN. And the caption subtitles are, Lord, I see what you've done in other people. I want you to do that for me. And it's funny because, you know, we're talking about whatever someone, whenever someone receives a blessing or whenever someone has a lavish um, accomplishment, we say, God, I see what you're doing for other people. I want you to do that in my life. And that's all funny. I understand it. But there's some truth to it in how we think. We're not ready for this, but I'm going to still go there. You're not ready for this, but I'm going to still go there. Maybe later we'll address this deeper. 
Many of us are following God not because we believe he's worthy, but because God appears to be the clearest pathway to the best version of ourselves. Let me, let, me run, let me run it back. Many of us are following God not because we believe he's worthy, but because God appears to be the clearest pathway to the best version of ourselves. You see, you came to God not because you were in fear and trembling. You came to God not because you realized you were a wretch undone, and if not for his grace and mercy, where would you be? You came to God because you saw that there were people who were successful. You came to God because you saw that this blessing thing was working. You might have come to God because you saw that the people who were serving God were well off and they had status, and there's nothing wrong with seeing that, but at the end of their status and at the end of our accomplishments, those of us who follow God, you'll see a God who's greater than all of our accomplishments. You'll see a God who is greater than all our rewards. You'll see the thrice holy God. You'll see the powerful God who inhabits the temple. And here's the reality. The relationship is always greater than the rewards. The relationship with God is always greater than the rewards from God. I know it seems like it can't get better than a new car. I know it seems like it can't get better than a promotion on your job, but have you ever had peace? Have you ever had joy in your soul? Have you ever had love overflowing? Have you ever felt fully known and fully loved? You see, it seems like it can't get better, but the relationship is so much better than the rewards. We have to remember that the glory of God leaves when we desire rewards from God without relationship with God. One more. Listen to this. It's found later on in the chapter. It's found in our text verse, 1 Samuel 5, chapter 11. It says here, so they called together all the rulers of the Philistines and said, send the ark of God of Israel away. Let it go back to its own place or it will kill us and our people. For death had filled the city with panic. God's hand was very heavy on it, right? This is the final one. Listen to this. The glory of God leaves when we exchange obedience for options. The glory of God leaves when we exchange obedience for options. There's a little phrase here. Again, remember, you got to read the Bible, not skim it. There's a little phrase in here in 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 8. When the Philistines see that the Israelites are bringing the Ark of the Covenant, here's what they say. Verse 8, watch this. We're doomed. We're doomed. Look at this. Who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? Not God, gods. Who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? Look at this. They are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all kinds of plague in the wilderness. So here's what the Philistines started thinking. Once we get the Ark of the Covenant for ourselves, we can add this God among all our other gods. See, they had it twisted. They had it backwards. Look at what they decided to do, 1 Samuel chapter 5. Here's what they decided to do. They carried it into Dagon's temple, and they set it beside Dagon. They're like, okay, this is Yahweh God. Okay, cool, cool, cool. We're going to put him next to Dagon. They should be able to get along. They'll work it out. We can call on Dagon when we need Dagon, call on Yahweh when we need Yahweh. And here's what happened. When the people of Ashdod rose early the next day, there was Dagon falling on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord. So Dagon fell the next day. They didn't realize it, but God was not going to share quarters with Dagon. So they put it back up again. They're like, okay, something must have happened. It must have fallen down. Must have been a fluke. But the following morning when they rose, there was Dagon again falling on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord. But this time his head and his hands had been broken off 
and were lying on the threshold. Only his body remained. You see, the Philistines approached God as polytheists. They didn't realize that the people of Israel were monotheists, right? You realize that, right? Monotheism means singular. It means one. Poly means many. And monotheism means that we worship one God. We do believe that he's a trinity. We're Trinitarians. So we believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. That's three persons of the same God. Can I give you some doctrine? We believe in the trinity. We believe that God's simultaneously exists as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in different expressions, three persons, but we still just worship one God. You see, the Philistines, they were polytheistic. They thought that they could worship and serve all these other gods and throw Yahweh into the mix. They thought that they could serve God and the God of Dagon. They thought they could serve God and all these other gods. They were polytheists, and they must have missed that you can't serve two masters. You see, you have to realize that obedience for God, it cuts off all of our other options. We cannot serve God and. You can't serve God and your addiction to power. You can't serve God and your addiction to wealth. You can't serve God and your status. You can't serve God and your relationship. You can't serve God and your comfort. You can't serve God and your pleasure. You can't serve God and your political party. You can't serve God and your cultural identity. It don't work like that. You see, the God we serve, he don't come to negotiate. He comes to rule. The God we serve doesn't come to take sides. He comes to take over, church. You can't serve God and you either serve God or you don't serve him at all. And this is the truth of the matter is that many of us believe that we can serve God and, and that's why the glory of God is no longer present in our lives. Ichabod, where is the glory? Where's the glory of God? Where is the presence of God? Where is the power of God? Where's the might of God? And the truth is, so many of us, the glory of God leaves when we start calling coincidence or consequence coincidence. The glory of God leaves when our desire for God is situational, not foundational. The glory of God leaves when we desire rewards from God without relationship with God. And the glory of God leaves when we exchange obedience for options. Can I say it again, church? Don't go anywhere without God's presence. Can I plead with you? Can I beg with you? Don't go anywhere without God's presence. It doesn't matter how much Bible we know. It doesn't matter how long we've been saved. It doesn't matter how many years we've been going to church, what ministries we sit on. Don't go anywhere without the presence of God. Don't go anywhere without the power. The glory, when the glory leaves, you're in trouble. When the glory leaves, you're in danger. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to go anywhere without God's presence. I want to say, God, I serve you fully. God, I take responsibility for the things that I've done that are in out of alignment with you. God, I want you to be foundational in my life, not situational. I want relationship to abide in you. The greatest indication of your spiritual future is if the presence of God is with you. God, I need you. Can you say that right now? This is a holy moment. I want you to lift your hands and say, God, I need you. God, I need you. God, I got to have you. God, I need you present in my life. I need you to be the foundation and the center of everything. God, I don't want to trade you in for options. God, I, wanna, I don't want to serve you and I don't want to serve you and my power and my wealth and my status and my political party and my cultural identity. God, I just need you. I want to serve only you. Ichabod, where's the glory? Where's the glory, church? 
I sense that there's so many people that are going throughout life and God is looking down and saying, you claim to serve me, but where's the power? Where's the presence of my spirit? Where's the transformative ethic? Where's the counterculturalism? What makes you different from anybody else in the world? Where's the glory? And God wants to challenge you today. Get back in the presence of God. I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to do something a little bit different. And I want to encourage you and challenge you to get on your knees right now, wherever you are. I want to encourage and challenge you to get on your knees. I know I'm probably breaking the quorum with the cameras, but I'm just going to be honest. I'm going to get on my knees right now. Wherever you are, I want to challenge you to get on your knees right now. And I want you to ask this question of yourself, where's the glory at? God, if your presence doesn't go with us, what good is it where we go? What good is it what our church accomplishes? What good is it where we meet? What good is it how much money we have in the bank? What good is it what people think of us if his presence ain't with us, church? That's all we care about. It's the glory of God. If your presence doesn't go with us, we don't want to go. Don't send us. Don't send us by ourselves because we know we're in danger. God, I pray right now that your glory would reside, that your glory would fall in every household who is watching that your glory would be present, that the presence of the transformative God, the God who cannot be tamed, the God who will not be bound by the limits of our meeting, the God who will not be bound by the limitations of technology, the God who will not be bound by our lack, the God who will not be bound by our illness. God, I pray that you are present right now, that you come and abide with us. God, I start with me. God, if there's any place in my life that isn't displaying your glory, God, dig it up out of me. Take it away from me. God, leave it away from me. God, dig it up. Pull up the root. Pull up the dirty root in my heart, whatever it may be. God, I want to have a clean heart before you. I pray that that's the cry of every single person who's watching, every single person who is on their knees symbolically, if they are able to get on their knees. God, I pray that they would feel your glory and feel your presence like never before. Would you fill up the room? Would you show them that you're not bound by limitations? Would you show them that you're not bound just because we can't meet in person? Doesn't mean God can't invade your home. Doesn't mean God can't do something supernatural and powerful and mighty in your marriage and for your kids. Where's the glory, God? We want to experience it. We want to see it. God, I pray that we would come into alignment with your kingdom, come into alignment with your word, come into alignment with your way. May we be known as the one who carry the presence and the glory of God. And God, may that transform not just us individually. May it transform our society. May it transform our neighborhoods. May it transform the people around us. May it transform those who have never even heard of you, God. May we be carriers of your glory. May your presence stay with us and never leave. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, hey, everybody, this is Pastor Tyler. Thank you again so much for joining us at the NDCC Online Worship Experience. I hope that you were challenged by the word that came forth, but I hope that you were also inspired and transformed by the worship. And I believe that God is going to do something right where you are. If you at any point in time would like to make a spiritual decision or you already have, and you just want to share that with somebody, it doesn't matter how big or how small, I want you to type home in the comment section right now, wherever you are, type home in the comment section 
or you can text it to the number at the bottom of the screen. We're so proud of you. We're so happy that you made a decision to follow Jesus and take one more step in that spiritual journey. Once again, I want to remind you that if you have not had the opportunity to give, you can do so at any time. No matter when you're watching this, you can go to ndccpensacola.org and you can click the offerings tab or you can mail it in to P.O. Box 6400, Pensacola, Florida, 32503. I'm so sad that the Back to the Future series is over. Trust me, I had so many more thoughts, but we need to move on. And I want you to lock in to NDCC Pensacola on Facebook and on Instagram to find out what the next series is. As a matter of fact, if you go there right now, maybe you'll see something. Go to Instagram right now, NDCC Pensacola. Maybe you'll see something that gives you a hint as to the next series that we're dealing with next week. Or you can just hop online again next week, 10 a.m., 12 p.m., 2 p.m., and you can find out what our next series is. I love you so much. We miss you. We can't wait to gather again together. But until then, this is New Dimensions Christian Center, where our destiny is helping you to unlock your destiny. Peace.